Good morning, church. Isn't this the best way to start our day? Right? Celebrating and cheering for our God. Uh, uh, welcome. My name is Paul, if we haven't met. I'm the youth pastor here. Um, and, uh, and if you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. If you're joining us online for the first time, welcome as, as well to all our church family. It's good to see your beautiful faces in the room. This is a place where we say, God, have your way, whatever that is. God, you have your way. So Heavenly Father, we invite you to have your way this morning and we thank you that you are moving and that you're already moving and that you are going to do powerful things this morning as we turn our gazes to you. So let's worship, church. We got pastor, teacher, father, grandfather, brother, son, everything uh, speaking this morning. So uh, Jim is speaking and teaching again this morning. So I'm excited uh, that he is here this morning. Can we just welcome him and then take it away? Lord, we ask that you would continue to just hover your spirit in this place. Um, that you would continue to touch our hearts and our lives. That you would open up your word to us and give us misunderstanding. In Jesus' name. Mm. Oh, thank you. Bless you. <laughs> it's funny, you know, when you, you prepare for something and then you kind of say, hmm, is that where we're going? Hmm. <laughs> you know, scripture tells us, um, actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a thing where Paul's talking and he says, he says, uh, and we've read it recently here in the service even, he's, he says, um, you know, by now you should all be teachers, right? He says, you know, instead of, instead of just dealing with the simple stuff like salvation and resurrection and baptism and all these simple things, and we think simple, um, he says, you know, you should be teachers. And... Uh, and it's an interesting thing because I was, I was looking at the gifts that God has given us as a, as a body. Um, and in general, in scripture, what are the gifts that he talks about giving? And of course, you know, the, the, the first and foremost and most important and, and absolutely underlying everything else is the gift of salvation. You know what's cool about a gift? You can't earn it. That's called a payment, not a gift. In fact, if your parents ever said, you know, if you clean your room, you'll get this gift, that's not a gift, that's a payment. <laughs> right? Carrots and sticks and whatever, those are all hanging out there for them. Salvation, it's a gift, it's free, it's yours. You can have it if you want it. You can refuse it if you want it. Um, that's, that is absolutely foundational, but to help us in our walk and in our function as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, there's three categories of gifts in scripture. And I, I wanna go through them today, even though that may seem a little light in some ways, but if we're gonna be teachers, we actually have to have foundational understanding and knowledge of the word of God. And how do we get it? Well, number one, by reading it, we're listening to it. That, 
you know, we have access to that. We should avail ourselves of that access, absolutely, so that we know what his word says. That's, that's absolutely foundational. But one of, the, one of the gifts that he's given is actually teaching. And so let's, let's, let's kind of look. So there's three categories of gifts. The first, uh, the first category, I, what I'll do is I'll go through the first two categories fairly quickly, I think. We'll see how it goes. And uh, maybe we won't get to the third category. We'll see. And then in the third category, I'd like to go a little more in depth. So the first category are the ministry gifts. And we've talked about that lots of times here, the five-fold ministry gifts, right? How many of you remember talking about five-fold ministry? And whenever we talk about the five-fold ministry, well, first of all, let's read it. So you're not just listening to me. We'll listen to scripture. So Nikki, we're in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, and I'll read from the NLT. So Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow, that sounds good. That sounds really good. And then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Mm, That's good, hey? So those gifts are granted and are given that we can come into maturity. And you know, this is important because we have to be founded on the word of God. Otherwise, winds of doctrine come. Now, let's talk about that for a second. A wind of doctrine. What do you mean? Well, here's here's an interesting point. Did you know that two things can be true at the same time? More than one thing can be true? You know, if we were to use a, a, a hockey illustration, which just pains me to do at all right now, um, you know, you could say, defense, defense wins hockey games. You got to play good defense. Man, we should write that down. And say, anyway, we, and somebody else would say, yeah, but you got to score goals. You got to score goals. Go score goals. Did you know that both those things are true? And if you concentrate on just one of them and, and actually dismiss the other, you're not going to win many games. That's just the way it goes. Because both of those things are true. Now, winds of doctrine come along where somebody actually often gets a revelation of something that is true. But then they take it to an extreme and dismiss many other true things. And how do we avoid that? Especially because it's true, so it sounds good. You know, for, uh, I'll, I'll give you one. You know, um, in faith, we speak something and God acts. Well, we can see that. So what does that mean? Name it, claim it, anything you want at any time, just name it and you got it. As long as you have enough faith and you believe. Well, hold it. Where does faith come from? Well, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So you got to have the word of God before you can even hear. And then you only have faith by hearing, not by deciding. 
okay, so is there a truth there? Well, absolutely there is, but it's not the only true thing. There's lots of other true things that come into that, and that, that five-fold ministry is given to help us understand the breadth of truth and to mature. So let's, let's, let's go through the hand illustration again because this is really good and it's worthwhile and it helps us to remember. Okay, so you have how many fingers, most of you? <laughs> Some of you in the trades, anyway. Okay, most of us in the room have five fingers. That is averagely, you know, the normal amount. So the bottom finger, we often relate to teaching. Why? Because everything's got to be founded on truth. So when you hold your hand up like this, the bottom thing is your little finger. It's founded on truth. And the teaching of that truth gives us the ability to hold on to it, right? To know it, to have it become part of us. All right, the next one, that's your ring finger. That's the love finger. So that represents pastoring. Pastoring is that, is that piece that takes care of the needs of the body, understands what they are. God has given that as a gift that some of you understand the needs of the body, care, and even know how to help meet those needs. And that's the pastoring, that's the love. Now that middle finger, that's the evangelist because it goes out in front of all the others, right? Evangelists go out, they go forward, and their gift really is to share the testimony of Jesus Christ and make converts. Now, doesn't mean that none of the rest of you know, us who don't have the evangelist primary calling don't want to be sharing Jesus. Of course we do, all the time. But evangelists are driven to do it, okay? And then we get that pointer finger, and that's the prophet, right? And the prophets actually, they point stuff out. They do. The prophets can see compromise a mile away. And the prophets also are great at hearing, hearing from the word of God and hearing from the word of God, the living word, the Holy Spirit. And they hear and they speak forth. And that brings, by the way, you study this stuff and you'll find there are a lot of uh, sort of church uh, traditions and denominations and things that don't necessarily um, believe in certain gifts of the Spirit operating today, but they would even say that preaching is largely prophetic. Why? Because what are you doing? Well, you're declaring forth what you're hearing from the Lord. Now, maybe you're hearing that through great study and through research and whatever, but you're, you're trying to hear from the Lord and you're trying to declare it. So that's that's, that was interesting to me in looking at even some of the, the church traditions who, who wouldn't kind of necessarily speak the same way we do and still, and still recognizing that hopefully most preaching has a significant prophetic element to it. That's the prophets. And then we get the apostles. Now apostles is interesting because the hand illustration really works. Why? Because the apostles touch on every one of the others, right? The apostles are the ones actually who set things in order, who establish things, who call out leaders and establish them in their places, um, and often correct as well. So they touch on all of the other gifts and they help build them up and they help um, uh, commission them. So that's that five-fold thing. And we've spoken about that here before a number of times, uh, and we will again, I'm sure. Uh, but. 
That's the first set of gifts, which we call the ministry gifts. Now, the next set of gifts I want to look at, there's seven of them. And they're called, by me anyway, the motivational gifts. Now, this comes from Romans chapter 12, okay, starting at verse 4. And Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 4, says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. You notice how... You notice how in these chapters where it talks, you know, now I'm in a different book of the Bible and I'm, I'm reading, you know, something else. But again, the concept here of the many parts working together, right? So we need each other and we need all of these gifts in operation all of the time, okay? So, and no one is more important than the other, quite frankly. Some have a, a leadership role, but none is more important. If you're missing one, you've got a hole and it's not good. Um, so, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Do you know that? Hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. Do you know that as the body of Christ, we belong to one another? Kind of take care of those things that belong to you. Care for them, protect them, right? You want them grown up. Yeah. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, well, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, we'll do it gladly. The motivational gifts are given by God and they're foundational to who we are. This is an interesting thing. How many of you have looked at things like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or um, you know, DISC or there's, there's so many of these sort of personality colors, uh, whatever. There's so many of these personality things that measure kind of how you respond, how you communicate, how you act in certain situations, what you may be good at. There's aptitude tests. There's all of these different things. And each one of them sort of measures something that is, but it doesn't say why it is. It just says that it is. And they can be very helpful, particularly for communication and for understanding certain things about yourself and about others. Um, uh, love languages, there's another one. All of these different things, they're, they're quite valuable. And, and I think because we belong to one another, understanding each other in our, you know, in my, in, in my business, we would call it our interface. That, you know, how, how do you make something work? Well, if you're using a, a computer program, you have to understand the interface. And it's the same thing if you're, you know, so if you're using, um, say, uh, Photoshop, it's got this complicated interface versus, you know, paintbrush, which is really simple interface. You kind of get what I'm talking about here. Like it's a different thing. Well, different people have a different way that we, that we should respond, that we should communicate, that we can understand, etc. Those are all good, but it doesn't say why. Just that it is. When we measure these things, this is where you come out. Motivational gifts, on the other hand, say why? Because they are gifts given by God. So this is something God has created in you that fundamentally determines in many ways why you do what you do. 
It's your motivation. By the way, you and I could do the exact same thing for very different reasons. Um, when it's time to clean up in the fellowship hall after we have a, a lunch together, and somebody comes and says, hey, everybody, if many hands make light work, if you can come help, put some chairs away, put some tables away. Do you know why I go help? Because <sighs> it's the right thing to do. <laughs> because I know that it's true that I should probably go and help because there's work to be done and it's really not that fair if I just let everybody else take care of it while I sit and chat. But you know, if nobody called me to do it, I wouldn't have even noticed it was happening. It'd be all cleaned up and I'd look around and I'd go, oh, that's cool, they cleaned it up, that's great, if I even noticed. Because that's how I'm wired. It's actually how God has made me, it's the gift that he's given me, and we'll talk about these in a, in a moment. Somebody else is helping because, well, if we get this job done quickly, other people can visit. And that visiting's really important. So I'm, I'm really happy to put away these tables because it, it helps. Somebody else does it because, well, um, you know, we, we need to get it done quickly because there's something happening afterwards and I want to make sure that everybody can go to that other thing. And so they're investing their time in order to provide something. From there. So there's lots of different reasons and you actually can't judge other people's reasons for doing things, by the way, because you have no idea. It's, it doesn't show on the outside. A good bit of the time we don't know why we did things, right? Okay, so let's look at these. So there's prophecy. Hey, remember that one? Well, this one's different. This is the motivation that he's talking about that comes out of prophecy. So what's that motivation? Prophecy, or people with the gift, the motivational gift of prophecy, they apply the word of God to situations so that sin is exposed, yes, and that relationships are healed, okay? So if you operate out of the motivation of prophecy, number one, you are going to hate compromise. Compromise is just, ugh, it's just the worst, okay? And you probably see things pretty black and white, pretty, pretty much that's sin, so don't go there, or that's sin and I went there anyway and I, now I have to repent. Okay, prophets aren't necessarily um, more mature, but they'll see things very clearly in terms of, of, of right and wrong, okay? By the way, in the passage we saw, actually just before I started in verse four, if you read just before that, it talks about love being, being the most important thing. So none of these things can be done well. Any motivation that doesn't have love basically undergirding it, is going to arrive at a lot of mess rather than a lot of life, okay? So a prophet steeped in love is calling things out so that they can be resolved, so that growth can come about. Um, that's prophecy, serving. So the second one we read there was serving. And that, those people, people who have the gift of serving, are, are driven to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. They just see it, it's so obvious, let's just get it done. And, and we're helping meet needs, and we're helping build the body, and we're serving one another, and we're demonstrating love by doing so. Um, serving is, is critical, 
And people who see, like people who have the motivation of serving, they actually see what needs to be done too. You know, unlike me who can step over a mess. Oh, I, I could have cleaned that up. Who knew? Thanks, hon, for pointing that out. Yeah. Uh, a person with the gift of serving would have done it already. And they wouldn't, yeah, again. And, and in, by the way, in maturity, and they don't need to be recognized for it. In immaturity, they may need to. So, you know, that there's always maturity in immaturity. And I'm not, not actually teaching on the motivational gifts in detail today. So if we did that, that would be uh, easily a full Sunday. Um, next one that was listed there was teaching. So teachers are passionate about uncovering and validating truth. Teachers, teachers are funny because they believe that if everybody just knew the truth, then, then we'd all be fine. Teachers can't understand when somebody says, I know that's true, but it doesn't work for me. Te- teachers don't get that. I know that because that's my motivational gift. <laughs> and I, I just don't get it. I think if something's true, it's true, and then we just live it that way, and that's great, and then consequences are irrelevant because the truth is the truth. But... That's because I have that as my underlying motivation in my life. The next one is encouraging, or it's often called exhorting. And they want to see believers grow to spiritual maturity. And exhorters actually, uh, they're kind of fun because they like methods. They like to read books. Here, here's a book for you. I, this book was powerful in my life. You should read it. Right, Jennifer? Um, you know this diet worked for me you should try it Um, you know exhorter but the reason is because they want to see growth they want to see maturity and if this worked give it a shot Um, again in immaturity they can give up on people you know you're not growing you don't want to grow fine go use my efforts elsewhere in maturity we belong to one another (laughs) And we're going to take care of one another, right? Um, Giving, which is actually investing. It's an interesting thing. Somebody with the fundamental motivation of giving in their heart, you can't get a nickel out of them for something foolish. (laughs) Not interested, thank you anyway. They are really good with money and other resources. It's not just money. A giver understands the value they're putting into something and they recognize, you know, uh, that what they're doing is enabling something that might otherwise not be able to happen. Person with the motivational gift of giving often doesn't like giving to very large charities, for example. Why? Because I can't see how my gift is making the difference. You know, it's, it's, it's a few dollars among millions. Hmm. I would rather sow into this thing that if I don't sow into it, it's not going to happen. Because I can understand the value of this gift at this point in time. So givers, like I said, givers, it sounds like incredibly generous. Yeah, but for things that matter. Okay. Then there's the gift of leading or administration or ruler in the King James. And... Uh, that one is, is really just what it sounds like. Able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through analyzing and delegating. Okay? They're administrators. 
It doesn't mean they're doers. It doesn't mean they're servers. It means they're administrators. They are the ones who organize things and tell people what to do. Little general, go, 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 go. And without them, not a whole lot gets done with a group. <laughs> so uh, very, very important gift. And then the last one that was listed there is mercy. The gift, the gift of mercy. Um, or compassion, you could call it the gift of compassion if we, wanna, if we wanna see it that way. And they are sensitive to the emotional and spiritual needs of others. Uh, a mercy giver, they're, they're actually drawn to people with needs, emotional, spiritual needs. And, uh, and, and they actually come alongside. They, unlike, so an exhorter wants to see the growth and we'll, we'll approach that same person in order to, in many ways, to, to get them healthy. The mercy's coming alongside. They're just going to be there for you. They're just going to love you uh, in it. And, you know, it's amazing because there are, uh, I know some folks, uh, in fact, I know a young man who, who owns his own business, runs his business. Uh, it's now got some international scope to it. And for years... He hated the fact that any time he did a motivational gifts test, he came out as a mercy. <laughs> he really did. He felt like, but that's weak. That's not weak. Oh my goodness, meeting people where they're at and caring about them where they're at is powerful. For any of the salespeople in the room, can you imagine the way somebody feels when you actually care about them when you're trying to sell them something? They're gonna trust you amazingly. Like it's, a, it's actually a strong businessy gift, being a mercy. Um, so there are none of these gifts that are weak or that are, are lesser or whatever. I think we, we each kind of relate to the one that, that speaks to us in many ways, but they're all very important and they're given by God so that we can function well together and that all the things can be done. And you can see, by the way, I've, I've sat on a, a number of boards over the years where we did this and we discovered that we were missing one or two of them on our board. And we would say, how are we gonna, how are we gonna uh, make sure that we have this, this whole area of motivation covered? Because we might still do something that needs to be done, but if we don't cover all the different motivations, we're going to maybe trump on some people's feelings or we're going to, do you know what I mean? You know, we, we want to actually make sure that these things are covered in any, in any sort of larger endeavor that we go into. So a fully functional and mature body starts with love. So, and then if we look at those motivational gifts through them, you know, start, top to bottom there, starting with pro profit, you know, we would know what's right and not compromise. We'd meet practical needs. We'd learn and value the truth. We'd encourage each other and show how to live. And we'd resource initiatives appropriately without waste. And we'd have leaders who organize and delegate effectively. And we care deeply about each other's emotional and spiritual needs. Does that sound pretty functional? That actually sounds pretty good to me. I like it. And it's all given. We can be that. We should be that. All right. Now, um, the next category of gifts are the gifts of the Spirit. So there were five ministry gifts, seven motivational gifts, and there are nine gifts of the Spirit listed in Scripture. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 
says, and let's get that up. I want to see. Um, you know what? Let's go to the New King James for this one, Nikki. Sorry. Yeah. And the reason I want to go to New King James here is, is, is actually because in the NLT, there's a couple of words they've used that I actually don't think describe well enough uh, what we're trying to get at here. So I, I, I just want to kind of go with something that, that uh, I can launch off of a little bit better. And it's not that the NLT is wrong. It's just it's less, I think, focused um, for, for our purposes here. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So back to that unity thing again, right? Anytime, anytime they talk about different gifts, they start by saying, and it all functions together as one body. How can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you, right? I often laugh and say, if I was a part of the body and somebody said, you know, I'm an eye, ooh, that's big. And I say, well, yeah, but if you're an elbow and you think, well, that's not so important. Oh, yeah? Try and eat without elbows. <laughs> um, that eye's going to have issues, right? No part is less important. Some just look important. Some are out front. But at the end of the day, every time it starts talking about gifts, it starts with this idea of unity. Because, it, frankly, the Lord knows that we all kind of value that thing we're good at quite often. <laughs> Because if you were really mature, you'd be a teacher. Okay. And, uh, all right. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the gifts are to profit all of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. Same spirit, hey? We're catching that. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So if you're recounting, there were nine there, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So let's go through those a little bit. Let's talk about what they are and how they work. So the first one there was word of wisdom. Now a word of wisdom is interesting. A word of wisdom is that thing that God drops into your spirit suddenly an understanding of something and usually with supernatural timing that it really matters. Something that you've probably never understood before and suddenly you do and then you speak it because it's a what of wisdom? A word of wisdom. So it's meant to be spoken. And I've given the example before, but I'll give it again. <laughs> um, in my life, by the way, of these gifts of the Spirit, other than tongues, the one that comes up the most often for me is word of wisdom. 
And it is, the way it functions, and it happens often enough when I'm standing right here in front of you and speaking and the Lord drops something in my heart and I say it and I think, whoa, whoa. I mean, I, sometimes it knocks me on my keister as it did when I, when I realized while I was standing here speaking to, to you as a congregation and, and the Lord suddenly convicted me of the lack of honor I'd held for both Pastor Mark and for my stepdad. And, and it was just in that moment, suddenly I realized it and had to put some things right. And so uh, the most, you know, probably the most impactful word of wisdom I have ever been part of uh, impacted me perhaps more than anybody else who heard it. We were actually building the cry room at the back there. Um, so swinging a hammer. Yes, I do that sometimes. Paul, don't laugh. Um, yeah, he's laughing. Okay. Anyway, and uh, so we were building that cry room, and I was working with someone else, and there was a situation going on in the church, and he he mentioned it, and um, we were both actually on the board of directors at that time, so uh, he, he mentioned it to me, and he said, you know, if this doesn't get straightened out a certain way, you know, this is going to be bad, whatever. And I said to him, just off the cuff in the moment without thinking, I said to him, you know, it's the weird thing about offense, hey? I mean, you can be hurt in humility, but offense is a function of your pride. And he said, say that again. (laughs) And I said, you can be hurt in humility, but offense is a function of your pride. He said, I have to go write that down. I said, I have to go write that down. Okay, and by the way, in our family, this has been, this was a bombshell. Any time we feel any offense, we immediately recognize, oh shoot, there's a part of me that ain't dead yet. Here's my pride rising up and getting in the way and making me offend. So we have to deal with offense really quickly because otherwise we're feeding pride. Anyway, I'll drop that on you, and if it, if it sticks, then it was for you for this time. And if it bounces off, well, then it wasn't, and that's okay. Okay. But it's true nevertheless. <laughs> anyway, that's a word of wisdom. I had no idea before I said it that that was the truth. After it, I had to go look it up. I had to go seek the script, like search the scriptures and make sure that I believed that, that this is actually true. Okay? That's how word of wisdom operates. The next one was word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is, again, a word, something spoken. Uh, well, it's a word from the Lord. It doesn't, I gotta be careful. It does not have to be spoken out, but it is supernatural knowledge. It's suddenly, God drops into your mind something that is true that you would have had no way to know. Um, Words of knowledge, we, we often find where people who operate in word of knowledge, they say, you know, he was reading my mail, right? Somebody is, is counseling and they get a word of knowledge and they say, or, or even somebody comes to the altar and somebody gets a word of knowledge for them and they walk up to them and say, so you just lost your job this week and the person, how do you know? I haven't told anybody, you know, whatever. But the Lord has told them, this one has lost their job, and this is what I want to say to them in regards to that. And so they, they bring it through. I mean, there's, I remember 
Larry Randolph talking. So uh, for, for those of you who don't know, uh, some of you remember the Bain family, uh, Steve and Carolyn, and uh, they're in uh, Franklin, Tennessee now, and they're, they're part of Larry Randolph's church. And Larry was a guy who would travel around and do prophetic ministry when he was younger. And, and he was talking about one time where he was standing up teaching and, and God just highlighted a woman sort of two thirds of the way back in this larger auditorium. And he looked at her and he said, ma'am, you know, your birthday is February 26th. God told him. And then he said, and I had nothing else. <laughs> nothing. He said, Lord, Lord, Lord. Come on, come on. What's the rest? What's the rest? He said, and God wants you to know that he knows your birthday. <laughs> but he called it out. Like he, you know, in front of a group of people, he was that certain. He had that word of knowledge from the Lord that he could point someone. Because if he's wrong, this is just weird. Like, you're, just, you're just wrong. Well, it turns out, by the way, that this, this, this thing turned out, she came to him later and told him that she, had, uh, she was con contemplating suicide, and she said, nobody knows me, nobody cares about me, you know, there's nobody else who even knows my birthday. And then he called out this, this birthday. And, and for her, I mean, she gave her heart to the Lord. She was in the church because she was desperate. She was contemplating suicide. And so she'd come. She was not a Christian at that moment. And the very fact of God knowing her birthday was all that it took, right? It, fabulous. So words of knowledge can be like that. I have, I have been, uh, I mean, I've probably had some words of knowledge in my life, but I have uh, ministered with some people who walk in words of knowledge very specifically. And sometimes eerie scarily um, you know we're not talking about sort of the prophetic thing about there are seasons there no we're talking about you know like last week <laughs> this specific incident happened or when you were eight years old and your family took you to Disneyland and then you were scared of the what you know and somebody what 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 how could you know right so that's words of knowledge the next one that's listed there is faith now, faith, that's an interesting thing that it's listed as a gift. And you think, faith as a gift? I thought faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God and we're supposed to build our faith and we're supposed to operate in faith and all of that is true. But there is also the gift of faith, which is a supernatural ability to believe something that God is saying that you would not have had in and of yourself. Sometimes it happens after you've totally given up on something. You've, you've waited and waited and waited and waited for something or there's a situation in your life that just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and you've given up and then the word comes and suddenly you realize, I believe it. I actually, I'm, I'm willing to hold on to this. I'm willing to believe this. That can be a gift of faith. Now, a gift of faith can be extremely powerful because if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, throw yourself into the sea and it will do so. <laughs> by the way, faith comes by hearing, <laughs> even the gift of faith. So God would have to be telling you to say to that mountain, throw yourself into the sea. But if you could believe it when he says it and you would declare it, it would happen. That's, that's amazing. Uh, some of you will remember James Maloney so James Maloney, uh, he's been here a couple of times, and James, uh, he says what he really operates in 
is gift of faith. So he's, he's known as a guy with a healing ministry, and he says, I don't actually operate in the gift of healing or gift of miracles. I operate in the gift of faith. So when people come and James is able to pray with them, what he imparts even is faith. It's a very cool thing because, yes, it's a healing ministry, but it comes through faith and through a gift of faith, a supernatural ability to believe beyond even what we would have walked into and matured into. The next one there is healings. So what is that? Well, it's exactly what it says. It's the ability to impart physical healing or spiritual healing, emotional healing. Um, it's, it's distinct from the faith side, which is you know, the ability to believe for something. In this case, it's a person who knows full well, um, you know, Peter and John, there's the paralytic man laying on the, on the ground in front of the temple and he says, alms, alms, you know, give me some money. And Peter says, you know, we don't have any money. Got something better. And he does what? He grabs his hand, this is a paralytic man, and he pulls him to his feet. That's the gift of healing, and he knew. So there's faith involved, but it wasn't the gift of faith in this case. It was the gift of healing. He knew it, when I touch this guy, healing's going out from me and into him, and he's going to be healed. And Catherine Kuhlman, for example, often operated in healing as a, as a gift. Just knowing full well, when I pray for you, you will be healed because this is the gift I have. This is what I'm imparting. It's what I'm giving you. It's like if I give you food, you will be fed. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple. I've got that gift. I can pass on that. The next one, and, and it, of course that relates to faith and miracles as well, so the next one that we see is the gift of miracles. And so that one, again, that's, it's actually interesting. It's the ability to enact something supernatural. But sometimes it seems natural just with supernatural timing. It doesn't make it less supernatural, okay? So the gift of miracles is the ability to speak something, to, to in effect create something that God wants to do, cause a miracle to happen, something that was not going to happen, and now it is. And it can be the, you know, again, the throwing the mountain into the sea, the cursing the fig tree, the, you know, whatever. A gift of miracles can be a healing. Um, so there's, there's, again, there's a fair bit of overlap as to why that thing happened. Why did that heal healing happen? Well, it was faith. Why did that healing happen? Well, it was healing. Why did that healing happen? Well, it was miracles. <laughs> Any which way, let's praise the Lord. The healing happened. <laughs> Woohoo! Right? Um, so the gift of miracles, though, it's not always healing. In, in fact, most of the time, it's going to be something outside of healing. It's going to be, again, something supernatural, something that wasn't going to happen. It can be as simple as you're driving along, your gas tank's empty, and you've got another 60 kilometers to go before the next service station. Um, let's say the gas tank's empty because it wasn't your fault. And <laughs> so there's no lesson needed here. Anyway, um, and you just keep driving and you keep driving and you keep driving and you get to the service station and you fill up and you go, what was that? Right? But you were asking the Lord, Lord, can you keep this car going? I speak to this car, you have enough, you will get there, <laughs> right? Um, that's a gift of miracles. 
and it's in the Bible. Then there's the gift of prophecy. Oh, that's the third time we hit that one. We have three categories. Prophecy shows up in all three. Very interesting. We'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. We won't come back to it. Okay, maybe I will, I'll touch it here. The gift of prophecy in this respect is the ability to clearly hear from the word, uh, from the Lord, and to speak it out. And that gift, uh, I actually have probably got another 45 minutes worth of teaching on just prophecy. Prophecy in terms of writing, prophecy in terms of speaking, prophecy in terms of prophetic acts, prophecies in terms of types of things that, that show what's going to occur. Foretelling, forthtelling. Okay, so there's, I've got a, an entire message on prophecy, which we should probably do someday. But the simplest would be foretelling, which is to talk about a future event, and forthtelling, which is to say what God is saying right now. And that is the gift of prophecy. The Bible even goes on to tell us that um, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when we testify about Jesus, we're prophesying. We are speaking the truth into the earth. We are making a change. By the way, prophecy can have those pieces to it. You can have creative prophecy. When God said to Ezekiel, speak to those dry bones, prophesy to those dry bones. So he did. He said, dry bones, come alive. And they did. And then he said, put flesh on them. So he said, you know, have flesh. And he said, speak breath into them. So he spoke breath into them and it created what God wanted created by the very fact of his obedience to speak forward what God was telling him. This is how prophecy works. And prophecy can work in, in you know, very one-on-one -on -one kind of I'm talking to you on something and, and maybe there's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge involved, but then I'm actually speaking forward your destiny. I'm encouraging you. Now this, that foretelling, so you see how this is different than the, the other two kinds of prophecy we've talked about where the ministry gifts, um, which is for the edification and building up, and the motivational gift, which is the right versus wrong and, the, and, and no compromise. And now this is hearing from the Lord very clearly and establishing what he's saying. And when I teach, my prayer is always that I would teach prophetically, that I would be speaking forward what God is actually saying in the moment, that I would be moved in the direction he wants me to go, irrespective of what I might have prepared, and that, and that we would hear a now word, right? Not something that I've learned that I'm just passing on, which can have a certain value, but on a Sunday morning, man, I want this to be spirit-breathed, right? So we want to speak prophetically in that respect. Anyway, because I looked at the clock and realized I can't, I can't, do some of the other bits there. Okay, the next one, discernment of spirits. So what's that? Well, that's the ability to understand the source of supernatural activity more than anything else. Um, now, sometimes it might also be a discernment of underlying motivations of somebody's heart if they're operating in a spirit. Um, but the discernment of spirits is really, where's this coming from? Is this actually coming from God? Or is this thing actually demonic? in its origin, or is somebody just making something up? 
And that discernment, we can ask God for that gift. In the midst of something that's making us uncomfortable, often ask him, what, what's happening here? Am I uncomfortable because this is touching on something on, in me that needs to be touched on? Or am I uncomfortable because this is not you at all? Lord. And he, ha- he, got, he does. He grants us that gift, the gift of discernment of spirits. Sometimes if we're doing a deliverance ministry, he will, he will let you know precisely what the person is struggling with. Uh, a spirit that they have allowed to operate in their life that you may not have even recognized and they may not have recognized, but suddenly you realize, oh, okay. So, you know, you're operating with an orphan spirit or with a murderous spirit, frankly, um, in this, you know, hate and holding on and whatever. And ah, that's a spirit. And I see that. And that's discernment of spirits. And it's, and, and it's often really powerful because you get to the root of something quickly. Okay, so when you're ministering with somebody and you can actually, aha, well, if we deal with that, you're going to have a lot of freedom now to grow in that area. So we can get rid of that spirit and then we can move on in growth. And it can be very powerful because um, you're not continually undermining, um, you know, what we're trying to do. Then there's tongues, which is the ability to speak in unknown languages, either heavenly or earthly languages. And that allows the Holy Spirit to flow through your spirit. And it calls forth sound even without understanding, right? And so when we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves. That's what the Bible says. It says when you speak in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself. This is why he said desire to prophesy because you edify the body when you prophesy. When you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. But we need to be edified. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He was proud of it in a very humble way. (laughs) No, he just knew how important it was. He knew this is critical. To be edifying yourself, to be connecting your spirit with the spirit of God. And by the way, he often brings understanding in the midst of that. So that's tongues. And Sometimes we don't even know, but we're praying for things that God wants to establish in the earth and we are now declaring them forward without even cognitively understanding what it is we're declaring forward. Very powerful. And it can be linked to prophecy because the final gift that's listed there is interpretation of tongues. So sometimes when we're, we're standing and praying in tongues, somebody else suddenly, or ourselves, suddenly knows what it is we're praying and realizes, oh yes. So even though you cognitively didn't understand that and didn't realize that's what needed to be brought forward, the fact that you were obedient in your tongue and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through, the person with the interpretation is now able to bring something that edifies the whole body because they're able to say, and this is what you were speaking about. This is what you were doing. It could be just declaring the glory of God but it could even be establishing something in the earth that he wants established. So it works like prophecy in that respect where, where two things gang up together. One, the tongues, allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through your spirit and out through your, your mouth. And then the interpretation where somebody is able to say, and this is what that was. And so the Bible even talks about the fact that in, in a corporate setting like this, don't just get up and start speaking at people in tongues. It's just not real helpful. Unless, it says, there's an interpretation. Okay? So, 
if God has said to you, I need you to get up, I, or I want you to get up and do this thing, you need to do it, then you do it. And if that's giving a message in tongues in front of the group and then going, oh boy, I hope there's an interpretation because I don't have it, it's still operating in obedience, right? And then there can be an interpretation and then it can be really powerful, just like a, a word of knowledge or a prophetic word or whatever it can be. So those are effectively those, those nine gifts uh, just listed really quickly. And as I said, I, I've got easily another... 40 minutes worth of, of, of content here just on prophecy. So you'll have to come back another day. Yeah. And uh, let's be thankful for the gifts that God has given. You got something, Casey? Okay. All right. You'd be welcome, though. Um, anyway, let's be thankful for the gifts that God has given, and let's use them in every aspect. In ministry here together, in five-fold ministry to, to spur each other on to maturity, Operate out of the motivations of your heart in love and recognize that others will have different motives than you do But if we're operating in love and we have all of them covered man, it's powerful. It's good stuff And then these nine gifts of the spirit these these things that that are are supernatural that God drops into us some he gives to people for their life Okay, there are people who have operated in a gift of healing their whole life There's people who speak in tongues their whole life most of us are, are in that category. It's a gift that's get given because that edifying of ourselves and that connection to the Spirit is so critical. Operate in these gifts. And it's safe to even practice them. Did you know that? It, you can actually go to somebody and say, you know, Cam, I think, I think actually the Lord wants you to know how important you are to him. Yeah. Is that going to cause any damage? Probably not. And I'll, t and I'll go further and say, and the more I do it, the more comfortable I'm going to be with doing it. I'm actually going to be willing to venture a little bit. And I'm not talking about being a prophet who's writing a word to the church, and then if you're wrong, there's consequences. It's significant. I'm talking about getting that impression or that, that sense from the Lord about something and then submitting it to somebody. And I think so powerful. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words. Hmm. So Lord, I pray that we would be a people who operate fully in all the gifts that you're offering us. Lord, that we would be fully equipped for every good work. That we would be able to uh, build each other up and to mature as a body that would be able to function well together in unity covering all the different aspects of the body all the different parts that you've placed here and Lord that we would venture as you drop things into our hearts special gifts Lord a gift of faith the ability to just declare something and know that you're going to do it mm, gifts of healing Lord that we would be the healthiest people on the face of the earth that anything that comes up just gets healed because you grant us a gift. Mm, gifts of miracles. Lord, that our community would just be blown away by stuff that happens because you've moved through your people. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.